I am Wesley Palin with TP Farms in Waller, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. This is Texas Ag Today, the number one source for the latest news in Texas agriculture. The largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State covers it all. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Here's today's top stories. We're talking animal ID and traceability from the Cattle Industry Convention in Orlando. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. A lot of Texas High Plains ranchers are looking at the potential for herd rebuilding. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about economics and timing. Emergency assistance for farmers and ranchers in times of disasters. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and on Texas Ag Today, I will have comments from the Farm Service Agency Administrator on programs to help producers impacted by climate-related events. Now, here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up? We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Be sure to hold on tight because it all starts right now. Our show again today coming to you from the Cattle Industry Convention, Cattle Con 24 in Orlando, Florida. A big delegation of Texas cattle producers here at the convention, and one of those is Arthur Ull with the Powell Ranches in San Angelo, and he's president of the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association. Animal traceability and electronic ID of cattle has been one of the biggest topics of discussion here in Orlando, so I asked Arthur exactly what those discussions have been on. All about. Really what was done by the resolution this morning was to take a rule that was already in place as to breeding cattle and interstate movement of breeding cattle and change the record keeping essentially from paper to electronic. That's the only step that was taken and so we feel that that was a good resolution. The resolution will only apply to adult breeding cattle which are currently required to have identification for interstate movement. It does not apply to feeder cattle and calves and that was one concern heading into this meeting. It was unfortunate because I think before leading into the convention there was quite a bit of misinformation that was spread about what was in the proposed resolution and what the discussions were, certainly what our policies are, and that really hampered the process. And so that was unfortunate. I think that that was overcome and will going forward be overcome successfully. TSCRA also launched a new project this week. It's called the TSCRA Leadership Development Foundation. Which is a 501c3 foundation, which we've started primarily for high school and college age students to help them in agriculture. There's such a high barrier to entry now in the opportunities that you know have traditionally been there. We understand the importance of bringing the next generation on, you know, in ranching and land stewardship, uh, wildlife management you know, that whole way of life, to help educate them and give them good opportunities, grants, scholarships, all that sort of thing. We just started it, but we're really excited about it. 
Cattle producers in Texas are getting older as a group, and Ull says this foundation is designed to help bring the next generation into the industry. And it's hard. You know, I think we all know the challenges of ranching, livestock, uh, raising livestock, and, and our young people that want to get in the business, they need all the help they can get uh, to have, just to have those opportunities. And so, you know, we hope to, we hope to help. That's what we're trying to do, just help give young people opportunities. That's Arthur Ull with the Powell Ranch in San Angelo and president of the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association. Another Texan I caught up with here in Orlando is Robbie Kirkland. He's the owner of Kirkland Feed Yard in Vega. I asked Robbie how cold it got at his feed yard during the recent cold blast. So it, it was it was cold, um, you know, uh, not not near as cold as it was north of us, but uh, we were we didn't get above freezing for about four days. So I think the lowest we got was just straight temp was about two below, uh, wind chill around uh, negative twenty. So it, it was cold. Um, and the biggest deal is that when it doesn't get above freezing for four days, that's just things freeze that don't typically freeze. So, but uh, but really, we we knew it was coming. Uh, the weather, you know, the weather meteorologists had kind of predicted it, and so we got ourselves in, in order, and, and I really give a lot of credit at our feed yard to uh, to our crew. They really jumped in and, and did what they needed to get things ready and prepped, and we came through really, really well. Kirkland says it has affected performance and gain on the cattle, but not as bad as the folks up north. So cattle performance in our yard, um, you know, we're, we're hearing... Uh, across the industry, you know, pretty wide range. I'd say in, in our yard, I would say cattle probably were somewhere around 20, 25 pounds lighter than, than they might should have been uh, at that given time. You know, you, you move north and you're hearing numbers of close to 100 pounds. So uh, it, it was, a, it was it affected, no doubt. Um, like I said, I think the biggest part in our area, the, the cold wasn't as bad. It was whenever it got, gets wet. And that's, that's a big contributing factor to, to, to weight loss. So has the decreased performance backed cattle up any? You know, that's, that's still yet to be seen. I mean, demand has continued to be pretty good. So cattle in, in our region, um, I think cattle are still, they might have got pushed back a week, maybe two weeks. So, you know, they didn't get pushed back a long time. Um, we're, we're very current. Uh, at uh, at our feed yard, and I think in this region, in the Texas Panhandle region, I think cattle are, are really current, and so um, it, it might push cattle back. I think that's what some of the analysts would tell us. It, you know, it'll push a few cattle back, and uh, and uh, kind of see what happens. You know, as we get into the spring and and spring demand hits. That's Robbie Kirkland, Kirkland Feed Yard in the Texas Panhandle. Kirkland was here in Orlando representing the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. A lot of Texas High Plains ranchers are looking at the potential for herd rebuilding. James Hunt talks about the economics and timing of rebuilding that herd. You can pay too much for a cow, even in a time of strong market prices. That's Texas A&M AgriLife Risk Management Specialist D.D. Jones, who says if you're a Texas High Plains rancher who is looking to regrow your herd, don't wait too long to make your move. My advice to ranchers is probably look at rebuilding that herd 
before the prices get any higher. Because once expansion starts in a wide scale, then we're going to have further cuts in supplies because more and more people are going to be retaining those heifers that they're selling right now. So the more they retain those heifers and the more they hold back their cows, they're slaughtering a lot of them right now, then the tighter the supplies we have and the higher the prices are. The new numbers from USDA definitely confirm cattle inventories are very low right now, but Jones warns history has shown that producers can get caught in a bind when cattle supplies that have been dwindling abruptly change course. I think once expansion starts to happen, it'll happen pretty quickly. We saw that in 2014. Expansion happened really quickly. Guys bought a lot of overpriced cows and then the markets crashed and you got a cow you can't pay for. Jones also says AgriLife has some online resources to help ranchers make decisions, including on purchasing cows. You put in all your information, you know, the cost of your wean calves and the cost of a cow and really the whole nine yards, your interest rate, your financing, how you're going to do that. And it'll show you the maximum amount that you can pay for a new cow. Once again, that's D.D. Jones with AgriLife. You can find AgriLife's decision aids for cattle raisers by searching online with the words AgriLife Beef Decision Aids. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Weather-related disasters have cost farmers and ranchers big money over the last year. Tom Nicoletti has the story. Weather-related destruction on farms and ranches in Texas and across the United States totaled more than $21 billion in 2023. Here is the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Farm Service Agency Administrator, Zach Ducheneau. It's all tied to longer, more intense seasons of drought, more deep snow in the wintertime, extended periods of wind. So many things that I never saw when I was growing up. I never heard of a derecho when I was growing up. We had a tornado or we had wind, but such is the nature of our production reality now. We've got to make sure that our tools continue to grow and evolve with the needs of the producers as we see these increasing climate-related events. Seems like the big climate event that occurs very frequently in Texas is drought and very hot summer temperatures, which is what farmers and ranchers endured in 2023. Yes, that's for sure. Texas, friends in Oklahoma, Kansas, and that drought is spreading to the east. So it's important that we continue to take a look at these programs. Unique in the programs around ELAP, LFP, LFP, they are funded through our CCC borrowing authority. So we can be more flexible as we've got room in the statute to grow those programs. We have the, the ability to go ahead and make those adjustments in a more timely manner than waiting for that every five-year farm bill opportunity. That is Zach Ducheneau. He is administrator of USDA's Farm Service Agency. FSA's Disaster Resource Center on USDA's website provides information on how to prepare, recover, and build long-term resilience during disasters and emergencies. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Trappers and landowners may soon be required to check their traps more often for mountain lions. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And the ability to better diagnose stress fractures in performance horses can lead to less catastrophic injuries. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up. These stories plus a look at the markets are straight ahead on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. 
I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. He always wanted to be a rodeo clown, but he had to settle for being a radio clown. Here's Carrie Martin with more Texas Ag Today. The ability to better diagnose stress fractures in performance horses can lead to less catastrophic injuries. Dr. Bob Judd has more. Dr. Chris Riggs indicates in the horse publication that stress fractures are a manifestation of mechanical failure. As a result, repetitive motion and loading patterns, bone suffers fatigue, and the microscopic internal damage can lead to a fracture. Dr. Matthew Sprite indicates that stress fractures are small fissures in bone that can be painful and cause decreased performance. And the fetlock region is the most common site of these fractures, which many times are catastrophic. The fractures often heal with conservative treatment, which includes rest, controlled exercise, and anti-inflammatory drugs. However, all fractures are not noted on x-rays, and sometimes the clinical signs are subtle and inconsistent. For this reason, other imaging modalities like nuclear scintigraphy are needed to find the fractures before further damage occurs. Nuclear scintigraphy, or a bone scan, can find fractures in larger bones that are difficult to image with other modalities. An MRI or CT scan is a great tool at finding these fractures, and there are some standing units. If a standing unit is not available, the horse must be placed under general anesthesia for a regular MRI or CT, which means the horses have to lie down and get back up, which is not always good in a horse with a possible stress fracture. One of the newest modalities is a PET scan, and it can detect microscopic changes at the molecular level and can even detect if the changes are active or from a previous injury. One disadvantage to these procedures is they do require at least sedation, and sometimes this can be a problem with using drugs that are not approved before a race. Also, these new imaging modalities can be very expensive. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Trappers and landowners may soon be required to check their traps more often for mountain lions. Jessica Nomal has the details in today's wildlife report. While a statewide mountain lion stakeholder working group may not have agreed on all issues that they were tasked with addressing, they did agree on several items, and that has led to a request for a management plan for mountain lions from the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. Mountain lions are not a game animal in Texas, and therefore there is no season or bag limits. A stakeholder working group on mountain lions was created last year after Texans for Mountain Lions petitioned TPWD to implement bag limits, mandatory harvest reporting, and mandatory 36-hour trap checks. They also asked for additional research on the elusive wildcats. Joseph Fitzsimmons, chairman of the working group, told the Parks and Wildlife Commission that the 19-member working group agreed that more data on mountain lions is needed, but the group was split on recommending mandatory trap checks. Commission Chairman Jeffrey Hildebrand said that coming up with a management plan for mountain lions seems like a reasonable thing to do. He charged TPWD with coming up with a plan that could include voluntary harvest reporting. Trap check standards, I think, consensus, this is something that needs to be done. Charge five, 
harvest bag limits, once again, that's related to data in the management program. Six, can hunts. Looks like that's a fairly straightforward thing to ban. So uh, I'm not sure what those directives mean. I don't know how the commission needs to vote on that, if they if they will vote on it. But tell me, what's the protocol? Yeah, Chairman, we just need direction from you, and I think we have the direction. So what I what I hear is um, for those charges about data collection, come back to the commission from the staff with a plan for data collection and additional science and how that leads into permanent management plan. And then the two near-term items are the 36-hour trap check, right? Come back to the commission and share how we're going to get that done as well as the um, canned hunts. And those are the near-term actions as I understand it. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. We'll check the markets coming up next on Texas Ag Today. National FFA Week is February 17th through the 24th, a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA Secretary Grant Norfleet from Missouri. What better way to show your support of FFA than to get involved in FFA Week? Whether it's in person, on the phone, or via social media, be sure to share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week, February 17th through the 24th. bringing you the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Live cattle traded higher on Friday thanks to strong cash sales and as the result of that cattle inventory report USDA released on Wednesday. February live cattle up 80 cents to 180.55. April live cattle up 57 cents to 183.75. June live cattle up 65 cents to 181.77. Feeder cattle traded lower on Friday after trading sharply higher on Thursday. March feeder cattle down 7 cents to 244.80. April feeder cattle down 32 cents to 250.20. May feeder cattle down 42 cents to 255.27. Box beef was mixed Friday. Choice down $1.62 to 293.32. Select up $2.97 to $2.86.22. Now let's take a look at our livestock auctions. We're walking the pins with Larry Marble. He's joined by Madison Bexley from Lockhart Livestock. How was that sale? Good morning, Larry. They had a pretty good day. Ended up with 1658, 231 cows and 37 bulls, 263 sellers and 99 buyers. Walk the pens with us. On the soccer cows, uh, we got along really good. The good pairs brought from 17 to 21.50. The mediocre and middle-aged pairs from 1075 to 16.75. The good bred cows from 14.50 to 19.50. The mediocre, middle-aged and short-bred cows from 10.50 to 14 and a quarter. The longhorn and the plain her in was six and a quarter to nine seventy five. Packer cows and bulls would have been higher. The good high yielding cows from a dollar seven to a dollar twenty three. Medium yielding cows from ninety to a dollar six. Low yielding and lightweight cows from sixty two to eighty nine. Uh, the good high yielding packer bulls from a dollar twenty five to a dollar thirty six. The low medium yielding and lightweight bulls from ninety to a dollar twenty four. And the calves in Yearlings uh, sold extremely higher. I mean, sold higher on an extremely active market. Uh, we had a lot of demand for the good quality cattle yesterday, and it was a it was really 
really good day. Well, if folks want to get in on a really good day next Thursday, they're in Lockhart. Tell them how to contact you, Madison Bexley. Yeah, you can always check us out on Facebook, or you can call the barn at 512-398-3476. My cell phone at 979-540-9793. Or you can ring Bubba at 512-461-6091. We appreciate you, Madison. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Neighbor, looks to me like that's it for this edition of Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. That was Maddie Bexley. I'm Larry Marble. This is Texas Ag Today. Lean hogs were mixed on Friday due to pork cutout values oscillating higher and lower throughout the week. February lean hogs down 35 cents to 75.45. April lean hogs up 7 cents to 83.82. February class 3 milk fell 4 cents Friday to 16.28, 100 weight. March class 3 milk down 15 cents to 17.37, 100 weight. Cotton traded higher on Friday on strong export sales. March cotton up 62 points to 87.11. May cotton up 51 points to 88.15. December cotton up 6 points to 81.92. Corn traded lower on Friday due to spillover pressure from soybeans and the dollar, lackluster Chinese demand, and pressure from the South American crop. March corn down 4.5 to 4.42 and 3 quarters. May corn down four and three quarters to 4.53 and a half. September corn down two and a half to 4.68 and a half. March hard red wheat up four and a quarter to 6.25. May hard red wheat up three to 6.22 and three quarters. July hard red wheat up two and a quarter to 6.16 and a half. Soybeans fell on Friday due to expectations for rain in the coming days in Brazil that could help their late planted crop. March soybeans down 14 and three quarters to 11.88 and a half. March natural gas rose three cents Friday to 2.08. April natural gas up two cents to 2.08. March crude oil down a dollar 74 to 72.08. April crude oil down a dollar 69 to 72.10 a barrel. According to Reuters, we saw those decreases in crude oil due to U.S. jobs data that shrank the odds of imminent interest rate cuts, which could dampen demand. The Dow was up 233 points Friday to 38,753. The S&P 500 up 64 points to 4,969. And the Nasdaq up 282 points to 15,643. Well, that wraps up this look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for joining us for Texas Ag Today. Be sure to follow the Texas Ag Today podcast found wherever you listen to podcasts. For more Texas farm and ranch news, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.